want to talk to you about object-oriented principles. But first, real quick, it's that time of year again when Laracast goes on sale. As you may know, this happens exactly one time each year. So for this year, we have two things. First, all individual subscriptions are half off. So this means you could grab a yearly account, 12 months of unlimited access to the site for 49 bucks. And if you do the math, what is that? Four, four, four dollars a month is ridiculous. Uh, but on top of that, if you don't like subscriptions, you can also get a lifetime account for $100 off. And that basically equates to a one-time payment for nonstop access to everything on the site, as well as everything we produce in the coming years. It's kind of neat. So if you're interested, you have until December 1st to use the sale. And the URL is laracast.com slash sales slash 2019. Okay, so with that done and out of the way, let's talk about objects and principles. But less from a educational point of view. I'm not giving you a tutorial here through a podcast. But more so, uh, let's take a step back and just talk about it as a whole and what it's like to learn object-oriented programming. Now, it starts out fairly simple. And in fact, most people, uh, they read a couple chapters about creating classes and objects, and they think, all right, I got it. Uh, but they don't realize you're probably going to spend years really understanding it. What you think you understand right now is the basic syntax. Great, you learned the syntax. But to really understand objects and messaging and polymorphism and all of that stuff, it takes a number of years. As an example, I've been working on this for, for a decade or so, and I'm still figuring it out, to be frank. But sure, we're, we're all working our way up, and that first step is fairly intuitive. All right, at this level, if I need a class, I've learned to hunt down the nouns, and we've also learned that a class is effectively a data structure with functions attached to it. We're good to go. I got this. And that'll take you for a long stretch. From my experiences, that initial step to the second one can sometimes be months to even years. But at some point, you'll come across a book or a presentation or a blog article where the author says, I bet you learned that a class and the objects that stem from it are simple data structures with functions attached to it. And as you're reading it, you think, yep, I got this. That was step one a long time ago. I got this down. But then he or she continues and says, well, guess what? No, no, no. That is completely the wrong way to think of it. It's only correct in the most technical, trivial, elementary sense. To really understand objects requires a completely different paradigm. So now, as the reader, you're thinking, wait a minute, this is completely different from what I learned. I thought I had this down, but now I'm finding all this new information that completely contradicts what I learned a year ago. I thought they were simply ways to group and encapsulate related behavior. But now I'm seeing all these different references to the roles an object plays or the messages it sends. And I'm also seeing all these recommendations to Think of objects as representatives for things that exist in real life. And as you're reading all of this, you start to think, okay, hold up. I thought I understood this, but I'm starting to realize I don't understand any of this. So you proceed the same way all of us do. You roll up your sleeves and you think, all right, I have some more to do. It looks like I need to read this book and that book and that blog, and then I will understand all of this. But here's the new problem. 
once you get to that level, you'll begin realizing there's lots and lots of opinions. And very rarely do these opinions line up. They almost never do. So what you read over here will completely contradict what you read over there. For example, over here you might find an article that demonstrates how to create setters and getters for an object to change the internal state. Great, now you know how to do that. But then you flip to the other side and you find an article where somebody says that is horrible advice. If you do it, you're a bad developer. And they're going to use very specific words to scare you. They're going to say it's evil. They're going to say mutability uh, is the devil and you should never do it. A anything to, to scare you. And by the way, I'm not even saying they're wrong or right. I'm only suggesting that this is what it's like to learn about this stuff. Everyone disagrees. And usually what happens is you'll end up with little factions, little groups of people who subscribe to this way of building objects. And then over on the other side, you have a different way, maybe a little more, a little more pragmatic, a little less, um, a little less strict about adhering to the, the true um, intention or, or the true spirit of objects. And again, as a student, it's very difficult because who is right? Is it okay to create a getter and a setter for a class? Or should all of your objects be immutable? How about another example? Maybe a, uh, a static method, a class method. If you listen to this podcast, you might use Laravel, and you're fairly used to calling static methods. Now, sometimes when you do it, you're kind of referencing a, a proxy in Laravel that will reach for an underlying class. But, but also, there, there's pure static methods uh, that the framework offers as well. And everything seems fine. But then... You read this new blog, and this person seems like they know what they're talking about. They do. And they say any use of a static method is evil. It's horrible. You should never do it. And if you do, you're a bad developer, and you should change it immediately. So yet again, you throw your hands up, and you think, well, I give up, because I have no clue. Everyone's telling me different crap here. Let's keep going. I'll give you endless examples. Uh, an ORM. It seems useful. I think so. Laravel provides an ORM called Eloquent. It gives us a way to map a database table to an underlying model. And again, you try it out and it seems useful. But then you come across a presentation and they suggest that other than for the smallest and most trivial of applications, you shouldn't use an ORM. They're bad. Great. How about another example? Um, how about um, some people believe that the public interface for a class must always be connected to a contract or an interface. So if you have a public method that isn't part of an interface, you're in big trouble. Now, the reason for this would be uh, if, you, if you exclusively use types in your applications, then polymorphism becomes impossible or much more difficult. Now, personally, I don't think that's true, but I, I at least understand the, the spirit of it. Let's think of a few more, mostly for fun. Oh, here's one. Um, developers very much disagree on how they name their classes. And again, this stems from how they think of objects and what role they assign to them. If you think they serve one purpose, and if you think they are a representative of a real-life thing, uh, something in the real world, then you're going to approach your naming and your method names very differently from if you... Uh, simply think of them as data structures with, with algorithms or functions attached to it. So for example, is it okay to have a controller 
or a manager, or um, and often these are classes that end in ER. So maybe a request parser or, or a string parser class you create, or um, some kind of service class that is mostly procedural. This is very common. Uh, you pick a framework and you're probably going to see a controller class, right? Uh, but then there's another group who would say, this is a very clear sign that you are doing object-oriented programming very wrong. As they see it, when you create a controller, it's not a representative of anything in the real world. It's just a, a repository for a bunch of procedural code, and that's it. And that's not what objects are about. So what do you do when you read that and it sounds reasonable? And it is. But also, you look over here, you watch a Laracast lesson, and you see we're creating controllers as part of your typical workflow. So what are you supposed to do when no one agrees? And it's tough. And I don't really have an answer or a solution for you other than to say um, a couple things. One, be open to new ideas and new ways of doing things that maybe don't fit within this, this container you've built for yourself. I think often what happens in some development communities is you end up with this quiet struggle between uh, what you might call pragmatists uh, and also those that you might call purists. You might say the pragmatist is a little more prone to make compromises. At the end of the day, their, their primary goal is we got to get something on the page. We got to get this done. Now, the purist, of course, has the same goals as the pragmatist, but from my experiences, they're less willing to make these compromises. They're not going to abandon or betray the, uh, what they would say is the correct way of thinking of objects. They're much less willing to make those compromises. And that struggle or that tug of war between those two groups has been going on for a very long time. And you know what? I think it's actually a good thing. It keeps both sides in check. Maybe it's useful for the pragmatists to come across those articles that refer to some of the techniques they use as evil or bad or, or poor code or, or anything like that. Uh, I've no doubt you've come across those articles. Maybe it is useful because it keeps you in check. It makes you question some of the things you take for granted, not because you've researched it, but simply because that's what the framework does, so that's what you're going to do. It's good to, to question yourself, right? Uh, but I think it's also useful for the purists to keep in mind for all those people who make use of techniques that very much contradicts everything you've read about object thinking. Well, in so many cases, those projects they're working on are making millions of dollars every year. So that begs the question, how wrong is it if it's being used in some small way to build a product that makes millions of dollars every single year. But still, again, this is a tug of war that's been going on for a long time. So as a student, like yourself or like me, we're often left somewhere in the middle trying to figure out what the correct path is, uh, and it's tough to know because nobody agrees. So